Welcome back to another edition of Real Talk with Real People, a candid conversation with Dr. Caroline Bethia Jones, and I am your host. Our topic is religion. I have been speaking candidly to men and women of faith. I gave them each an opportunity to share their spiritual journey and their faith walk. I was inspired by their faithfulness, their undeniable love of God and family, and I listened intently to their opinions on the role of the church, mentorship, and how we can get back to or get to a place of healing in this country, and specifically our communities. Today, I will have an I will be having a candid conversation with my husband, Alvin Jones Sr. He will be the last of my interviews um, before we all get together for our final um, finale. So welcome, Alvin Jones, to the show. Hello. How are you? Good as always. Okay, so you know that this is a conversation on religion. And I chose you to be last because I knew that you was going to have much to say. Um, and again, this is all of our um, candid conversations based upon our own experiences. So I want you to be candid and I want you to be um, forthcoming with your spiritual journey, your faith walk. So um, just like I gave everybody else an opportunity, I'm going to give you an opportunity also to tell us about your faith walk, your spiritual journey and how you got to where you are right now. <laughs> well, that's a good question because, <laughs> quite honestly, I don't have a faith walk. Uh, basically, for me, as most of us chocolate folks are, I was brought up in the Baptist church, and my mother religiously dragged me to the church. Uh, I don't want to say I went kicking and screaming because I did. I enjoyed going to church when I was a kid, I, especially for the music. There's nothing in the world like that. Uh, power of that black choir so uh, being a musically motivated person that spoke to me like you cannot believe but uh, right around 1974 I was eighth grader and uh, at that point Easter we always went to church and that was the Easter of rebellion for me and I looked at my mother and I told her not today I'm not going to church I expected her to put up a fight, and she looked at me, and she just said, okay, you know, because one thing, my mom was very liberal. She gave me the opportunity to kind of make my own way in life, so I really applaud her and thank her for that, but I really thought that I was going to have to get dressed and go, and I didn't have to go, and from that day forward, I kind of walked away from religion, if you will, because before I felt it was mandatory, now I had my own say, but as I traveled along in my journey, I do like uh, knowledge and, and, and intelligence. So one thing I always loved about religion is that it's the most incredible thing on the planet Earth. Ever since man has been on this planet, man has felt that there is a higher authority to have dominion over us. And every culture on the planet has some form of religion, some form of spirituality. So why is it you have to be forced into Christianity? Why do you have to be forced into Buddhism? Why do you have to be forced into Islam? So if you really dig into all those religions, they all have a common thread through it. So as I started on my, not as I started, but I was, I was continuing on my journey, I had the pleasure of going to New York City and, and studying at a Buddhist temple just to understand what they do. Uh, crazy thing is I was a PSENG worker. I was in Inglewood and we were doing what we call a low to high pressure switchover. And this woman walks up to me and she said, I salam alaikum, brother. And I said back to us, alaikum salam, sister. And she said, what mosque do you study in? I said, excuse me? She said, what mosque? I said, I don't. She says, I've been watching you and you carry yourself like you're a brother of Islam. And from that point forward, she would come out and bring us uh, in the morning. She'd bring coffee and stuff. And one day she brought me a Quran and she handed me a Quran and said, uh, you should read this, you know? And I did, I, I read it because I wanted to understand a little bit of the religion. So that's kind of how I was going along, and I'd been away from the church for quite a while, and then the infamous first church up in Montclair, which your venerable uncle runs, 
I ended up going back to that church, and I actually enjoy. Uh, I don't like the fire and brimstone preachers. You know those preachers. That, and I got and I'm gonna say that that gets old to me. You know what I mean? Just talk to me. I don't need to hear all that. If I want to see that, I'm gonna go to Broadway and see a play. And your uncle is one of those preachers that preaches to you like the way you should. And I love this message. I thought the man had an incredible calling. Got to me so hard that literally uh, I was coming in. I actually started coming to Bible study and uh, I almost was working my way up to a deaconhood, but I just, it didn't sit in my spirit. I wasn't feeling it. So it really wasn't me. And that was like the last time that I really went hard to the church. And oh, I would be remiss. I got to add one more piece to this. Uh, Jehovah's Witness. Jehovah's Witness get a, a really a bad rap. And what I find when I meet the bulk of Jehovah's Witness people, is they tend to really be really good people, okay? They really do, but they really are so hard on their religion that they do kind of come on a little strong mm -hmm. to you. But uh, I lived in Hackensack at the time, and I was upstairs in my attic drumming. And I'm drumming away, and when I stopped, I heard somebody screaming. So I go to the window, and this guy, you know, and he, I was playing to a record. The record is, is called, uh, oh, my God, it's, it's by Faiso. It's Riding High. That's the jam. And it has these incredible triplets in it. And I just wasn't doing the triplet right. And this guy happened to be a drummer. So he told me, you almost got it. You almost got it. So I brought him upstairs, and he showed me how to get this triplet thing together. And then, you know, unbeknownst to me, he was a Jehovah's Witness. Okay? <laughs> And I made that fateful mistake of saying, you know, yeah, I've been trying to learn the Bible because I'd be in church, you know, when I was coming up. And they would say, okay, and you turn to the book of Matthew. And I couldn't find Matthew to save my life. <laughs> I didn't know where the sections of the book were. And he really knew his way around the book. And I studied with him. Oh, I'm going to say must have been about a good, you know, three, four months. So he really taught me how to move around the Bible, him and his, his tribe that came in. And, uh, you know, and when I got what I needed, then I kind of pushed them away. And, and that was my journey. So that was my religious journey, if you really can condense that down. Hmm. All right. So I met you in 1980. Yeah. And um, you didn't strike me as a person who didn't believe in, in God. I, I guess because I grew up that way. And I always was a believer and I always carried myself in that way and I always thought that way and I always spoke in that way. I guess I always assumed that everybody else, because when you're young, you don't know. You think this is like you said, this is the way of life. This is everybody's way of life. So I didn't know. But whenever we would have conversations, we would have deep spiritual conversations. Literally, there was no indication that you didn't believe in a higher um force i actually didn't realize that you didn't believe in a higher force until well after we were together and started a family and you know then all of a sudden you just sprung it on me like <laughs> well i i'm gonna say that's that's bad on your part mm -hmm. because at no point did we ever go to church did we ever attend the church together did we ever uh, put together a spiritual journey so and if you listen to me talk during that time you always heard me i i do believe that there is a greater force than I, but I just don't see it in the true religious sense, you know? Almost at the point where it's like an alien or something as opposed to a, a God figure that is lording over and, and uh, being a scientific type, it is hard for me to understand that in the beginning there was nothing and then this was formed and, it, you know, I, I kind of lean a little bit more to the Darwin theory with the theory of evolution because at least that puts some parameters around it and, and I can wrap my mind around it as opposed to the other way where you got to really, that's, that's like some Stephen King, you know, straight out of a book thing that's like crazy to me. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, at no point during that time did I really reference hardcore. I, we spoke about religion. We because, spoke about, yes. yes. Because I, I, I told you, I, I was a student of religion. But even though I was not a practicing religion person, I was a student of religion because, like I said, I love the grip that this entity has on humankind. It is amazing. Mm -hmm. But it's funny that you should, well, you just said that we did speak on it because it was actually you who insisted that we have a um, formal wedding in a church when <laughs> I was the one who wanted to have it in a park um, under trees and, and, you know, but you insisted on having a wedding in the church because you felt 
you felt like it was it was more binding and and you you said that to me because again like i said i was i wanted to have the wedding in a park um i thought that was more beautiful but why did you feel that way if you if you didn't feel like religion had anything to do with with our life why would you want that particular ceremony in a church why did you choose that because there are certain ceremonies that are just uh they're kind of ingrained in you and uh, when you especially look at my family okay we didn't have a lot of weddings along the way if you look at the uh, arc of the jones family you know only a few of the joneses had really gotten married and i thought it was very important uh, to have a ceremony where the family could come together and truly believe that. Mm -hmm. But I also love that line in the book. And that line says, you will leave your mother and father and you will cleave unto this woman. Mm -hmm. I love that line. That is one of, that needs to be in a song of mine. That line is powerful. So think about this. Uh, that was a ceremony that to me, for it to be legitimate and go through the process, it needed to be in a church for me. That 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 was just a part of the way it needed to be. Otherwise, if we did it in the house, if we did it somewhere else, even going to Vegas and doing the quickie wedding, justice of the peace, none of that means none. To me, not, to me, not to me. To other folks, you do what you do. Mm -hmm. But to me, it needed to be in that church setting. When you see the president of the United States, mm -hmm. when he steps up, or she, because uh, we got Kamala mm -hmm. there, could be a woman on the way next, but uh, when they step up to take that oath, what do they do? They, they put their hands on the on Bible. On the Bible, mm -hmm. okay? They do, yeah. And, and the most important thing to all of us here in America, and I would say worldwide, but at the end of the day, there's this, there's this little thing that keeps everything moving. It's called money. Hmm. And when you pull that dollar bill out and look on the back of it, what does it say? In God we In trust. In God we trust. Mm -hmm. So there's not necessarily a belief of that, but it is, a, it is weaved into the fabric of who we are mm -hmm. because that is how powerful the religious order is as it permeates across all levels of things that are out there. Even if you're a straight, hardcore atheist, you're still touched by religion because you can't drive down the street without passing the church. Okay. okay. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, it wasn't until later that we actually sat and had a, a conversation because what must have been like for you? Because, you know, I was hardcore in, in my spiritual journey. So, I, and like I, I've always told people, I've, you've never ever got between me and my studies, going to church, um, the whole nine yard you never came between it you never said anything or never tried to dissuade me not to to take that journey so did you feel some kind of way so this is my number one line about religion mm -hmm. okay unless you're an extremist where you're just taking it to the edge i always say if a person follows the principles that mm -hmm. are put forth in the bible and in your traditional religions, not that Jim Jones where you're drinking the Kool-Aid right, stuff. Right, right, right. I get it. At the end of the day, you know what that person is? A good person. That person is going to be a good person. It's mm -hmm. about light and dark. It's about good and bad. It's about being a great citizen mm -hmm. in the world. And let me, you know, to jump into this piece of conversation. Yeah. Who took who to see Joel Osteen in Philadelphia? You did, because I certainly wouldn't have went to go see no Joel Osteen exactly. in Philadelphia. And who will sit up on a Sunday morning and watch his 30 minutes of Joel Osteen? That would also be you. Because I like to say, I can tolerate a good 30 minutes of religion. <laughs> I can't go to one of these churches where you got me up in there for two, three, four, five, six hours, you know? And what I like about Joel is if you're a true uh, religion, especially if you come from the Baptist faith, mm -hmm. Joel don't do it for you. Because Joel is not a, a, a typical preacher. I've always said, in my opinion, that Joel is a motivational speaker who wraps a touch of religion in his message because he's trying to get you to enjoy this life you're living and to be the best that you can be. I don't think he really, hard, I think in his heart of hearts, he thinks he's really a hardcore spiritual mm -hmm. preacher, but he's not that kind of guy. And he appeals to me because that's the way he delivers the message. Okay, so is the reason why you were turned off by church or 
have this this bad feeling about religion? Is it because of the performance? Um, you don't like the style of Baptist. Have you been to other churches besides Baptist churches? Yeah, I remember, I, I went to a bunch of churches. I went, uh, you know, and when you're a young man coming mm -hmm. up and, and you see the cute young girl and, mm -hmm. you know, and then, you know, she says, do you want to come to church with me? I was like, well, you know, she was cute, so I had to go to church with her because I was getting her to braid my hair. I went to a sanctified church. I ain't never been scared in my life like the day I was in that church. And when they found out I could play some drums, they was trying to drag me out that pew. I was sitting there terrified because them people jumped up. They started convulsing. And, and to this day, I can still hear that groove. They had this funky groove that was... And the whole church went into a frenzy. I was like blown away by that. So just so we're clear... You've never looked at church as a place where you can find out anything about God. No, I, I won't say that. What I would say to you is I don't like the structure of religion. I think that religion tries to take you and, and put you into this box where they want you to be uh, conformed to the way things are going, the way... Uh, the way the vision they want you to see. Obviously, if you go to a church and the pastor is the leader of the church, he wants you to follow along in his, you know, the way his teachings and his style and what he does. And if you remember, uh, you remember the whole Amway trip that I, I went on. Mm -hmm. And what was the first thing I said when I came back? You know, I said, I can't be with these people. They want you to be a robotic clone. You know, you got to wear the blue suit that you got to wear. I used to wear my sunglasses on my head. And, you know, they, oh, you, you got, you know, I was like, who, you talking to me? No, y'all ain't talking to me. Because if that's the way you need me to be while I'm here, then I don't need to be there. And so when I, when I see church, I don't feel I fit the, the, the MO of what a church is because I'm way too free spirited. I'm way too free thinking. I'm way outside the box. And there may be a church out there for me, but the, the traditional church is not the place for me. Hmm. Okay. I get it. But you know, it's so funny that you should say that because, um, that is the way some people would describe Jesus. Yeah. He was radical. <laughs> oh, I did one more thing. Okay. I, I didn't answer one part of your question. You talked about me not getting in between your thing. OK, yes, right. so let me answer that for you. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I started going down the road about it. At the end of the day, you would just be a good person. OK, mm -hmm. if, yeah. if, if any uh, person follows that. But what I saw more than anything is we all have a thing that we're passionate about. Mm -hmm. And when you do that thing you're passionate about, you come alive inside of that thing. And so what I saw is as you were in there, and, you know, first it started with one Bible, then you have four Bibles, then you have 16 Bibles, then you have 32 Bibles, each one different than the other one. And you, you took a joy and a glee of this uh, spiritual studying journey you on to the point where you end up getting a PhD in this field. So to me, it would be foolish on my part to stop you from enjoying the thing that you did. Just like when you see me doing my music, you never stop me. Right. So why would I do that for you? Because especially when I saw how much it meant something to you. Mm. And it was always crazy to me because <laughs> I like to say the reason my daughter has a degree in psychology is because I was her father. Okay, she needed that to understand me. And the reason you took the journey in, in religion the way you did, because you live with a heathen like me, you need, mm -hmm. you need the ammunition to work on me. So it worked well, out good for both that's of y'all. Actually, not far from the truth, because I often ask myself, would I have dived so deeply if you had not been the type of person that you were? Because there were some times when I literally had to question my own self, because you are a hard man to live with. And you were also a hard man to understand. And I, I, grew, up, I, I grew up in my mama's house and she um, always taught us to to be good people, to to love. And my mother was, uh, you know, you know, Nora. She was a faithful woman of God. And and a lot of the things that I did in the beginning was because of her teaching. Because I followed in her footsteps. And, you know, it, it took a whole lot for me to, to deal with you. And truthfully, and we're speaking candidly, because this is a candid conversation, there were many times when if I did not have my faith, I didn't know if I would be able to make it with you. That's my truth. Yeah, but you have yeah. to understand, like, you know, you grew up in a family of 12. Yeah. Okay, I grew up in a family of three. 
your family structure was a lot more, you know, stricter and, and we had freedom. And that is true. I used to travel by myself as a little kid coming from, you know, Spring Valley and, and Nyack to come to Hackensack to hang out my cousins. My that mother would just put me on the bus and let me go. You know, so I, our, our journeys were so different. Yeah. And so uh, that's one of the reasons why I've always been such a free spirit. But inside of that, I think what it did is, it gave me a, 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 a strong uh, streak of independence. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I couldn't handle was anybody trying to box me in. Mm-hmm. The minute you try to box me in and confine me, you will get the worst of me. Because mm-hmm. at that point, I rebel against every. I do it at work. I do it with my friends. You know, uh, I think even in the band a couple times, they seen when I got into that position where I kind of would just snap and, and just lose it. So I, I always have to have that, uh, that avenue to have freedom and space. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things, as I said, about religion is the confines in which you try to place you under. Right. I get that. I do. I get that. I, of course, never thought that I was trying to box you in. I was literally just living the life that I knew to live and trying to understand um, how come it wasn't working. (laughs) You know, it wasn't me um, trying to convert you or turn you into something. It was me simply trying to live my life. And and like you said, it was so different um, from yours. But we had some very spiritual conversations, which has always been confusing to me because I get it now having coming this 40 year long journey with my studying and me understanding a little bit better. But we used to have some very spiritual conversations, very spiritual conversations. And I'm not, when I talk about spiritual conversations, um, you, you talked about a higher, um, Absolutely. A higher force, a, a a power higher than yourself. We talked about um, not so much the way other people would sit and talk about heaven and hell. We didn't talk about heaven and hell. Our conversations, when I say spiritual, they were about uh, a greater force, a force greater than us. I'll never forget the the very first poem you wrote for me. It was called My Star. And, and it, it talked, you know, about... Um, to me, that was spiritual to me, uh, the way you um, alluded to looking for something that you couldn't quite grasp or get your hands on. And we had great, great conversations. They were intellectual and they were always about spiritual things. So I guess that's the reason why I never even thought about you um, <laughs> not. Um, and I don't want to say religious because as I got older, I understood that the right word for it is not religious because I agree with you when we talk about how religion puts you in a box. I agree with that. But let's talk about um, um, the Bible because I brought you a Bible. Mm-hmm. I remember that. I did buy you a Bible because I wanted you to and I to have conversations about the Bible. And I thought that we wouldn't be able to do that unless you read it so that we can have conversations. I still got that bad boy. Have you read it? I don't read it. I always said I wanted to read the Bible straight through cover to cover. And boy, right around when you get to Deuteronomy and Leviticus, ooh, my Lord. <laughs> Hard read. And, and trying to keep up with the, I actually had a little chart while I was trying to follow the, the, yeah. the lineage. The and who's, yeah. I was like, oh my Lord, you know. And uh, so no, what I tend to do, and I'm, it's, it's funny you say this because uh, I'm, I'm in college right now and I'm working on uh, uh, national security and ethics. And one of the stories that came up is uh, David and Bathsheba. Ah. And David uh, clearly is one of my favorite uh, yes, heroes he in is. the Bible. David is one of your favorites, yes And he is. Uh, it's, it's, it's made me force myself, I got to go grab the book and now I have it electronically yeah. where I can go back and I want to read that whole passage again yeah. to get another appreciation for it because now we're talking through it through the lens of ethics and today right. versus the way it went down when it was written in, that, uh, in the book. So for me... The reason I can get through the Bible is because the stories in the Bible, yes. and especially the Old Testament, you know, New Testament, a little bit of a, a, a different kind of read. You know, mm-hmm. the New Testament to me is a little more scholarly, and mm-hmm. the Old Testament is a lot more it's, it's oratory. It's like storytelling. Okay. So uh, mm-hmm. the, the 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 Old Testament to me is fabulous. It's fantastic. The stories are so rich there. Yeah, I mean, how rich are they? Every biblical movie you see is from the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. They're just amazing because those stories are just powerful. And so I can speak to the Bible from that that platform because uh, I grew up with those stories. I still love those stories to this day. And the 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 
the messages wrapped inside those stories mm-hmm. are just powerful. Uh, one of the characters I speak about a lot also is Joseph. I, I love to speak about Joseph because especially when you go back to biblical times, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the older uh, son was the one who got all the blessing and the younger son was just lucky to be in a family. Sort of like the, you look at the Jacksons. Mm-hmm. Michael, in essence, should have not got the blessings he got because he was not the oldest son. That should have went to Jackie and then and, and Tito and, and Jermaine and them. But it was, again, another one of the least made it to the front of the pack and so those are the stories that i truly love in the bible because they resonate they they Mm -hmm. those are stories you can take with you anywhere to describe any type of situation Mm -hmm. so when we have our spiritual talks uh, it's very easy to, to go back and reference those kind of things. Right. And then if you say something to me that I'm not really 100% on, then that's what I got to go. Go grab the book and do my research, especially right. when you talk about a lot of the women. You know, so the, the famous ones, Ruth and, you know, uh, uh, has, oh God, it was just on the tip of my tongue. I was getting ready to say her name. Uh, you don't know Mary? Uh, Mary is just super popular. <laughs> I'm talking about because Ruth was the one that had the baby. She wasn't supposed to have the baby. Is that... No, uh, don't know that okay. she was she was barren. She couldn't have the baby. That and, was not Ruth. Yes, so I can't see the names. It's just too many thousand names. But oh, the, oh you talking about Sarah? The, the, yes, thank you. <laughs> the stories are there, so yes. I just can't pull them back off the tip right, of my tongue right. because you know I have read through them like yeah, that. So yeah, I have no. to go and go for a refresher, yeah. but. That's where we, we came at Common Ground. That's yeah. why I could sit with you. And if somebody's sitting next to us listening to the conversation, it would be like, yo, man, that's a real spiritual brother right there. <laughs> but it's no, I'm just so deep into those stories yeah. because they've been a fabric of my life. And we're not very much different when it comes to the story. Everybody who knows me knows that the most fascinating thing about the Bible to me is the story. Absolutely. And, and you even told me once that you felt like it was the greatest story ever told. It and, is. And... Um, you you always talked about the stories of the Bible and it's always the stories of the Bible that I reference because like you said, they have messages. Yep. I always felt like it's, I never took the Bible literal the way a lot of people did. That's another reason yeah. why I struggle with religion because as a, a reasonably intelligent, you know, black man in mm-hmm. 2021, it's hard for me to believe that someone stood up at the shores of the Red Sea threw his arms up, the waters parted, and all these people got to go across because had it been me, once I got halfway across, and I would have turned around, looked at the boys on the other side and be like, ah! And as soon as they started coming, I would have threw my staff so it could close in on them, okay? Because that's the way I would roll. It's hard for me to envision that. So, you know, you, you use the term all the time that these are allegories, okay? Yeah, allegories. Well, there should be a, in the you know, when you get a book, you know how you open the book up and it's mm-hmm. got the, 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 the preface, the acknowledgments, the table mm-hmm. of contents. Well, in the beginning of the Bible, it should say, these are allegories. Do not take these literal, you know? Yeah, but that's not the way it works. I mean, maybe it would be easier. It's but the this, word but listen, of God. I was going to say, there, I think the Bible is um, allegorical. Um, there's lots of people who think it's literal. I I say um, it should be literal. You know, I, how can I put words in God's mouth? But I think it should be literal because if this is the living word, okay, these are His words, although written by man, okay, then we should take those words literal. It's like when you uh, go through the stop sign. The stop sign is there. It is there literally. And if the cop is on the other side and you roll through, he's gonna pull you over because you have violated the law of the land and those words should be that kind of literal message yeah, but to the you. laws of god are literal and this is where a lot of people have difficulties there are many allegories in the bible and there are many things that are literal the laws of god are literal um the stories are are some are literal some are allegorical let's let's take what you just said the uh the story of moses it's actually one of my favorite stories that I reference because it speaks about what it's, it speaks first of all about, um, Moses rescuing God's people from Egypt, right? Yep. There are so many ways that you can look at that even in today's um, world. Right. But one of the most important parts of that was when he was standing at the Red Sea and when the Israelites felt like they were trapped and they, what did they do? They murmured and they complained to Moses. They're like, why did you take us from Egypt? We could have died in Egypt, but you brought us out here to this wilderness. To die. You know, 
And but this part right here is so overlooked, and I always use it to reference. Moses, uh, at that point, he doesn't know what to do with these people. He turns to God and he says, what am I to do? Right? And the answer that God gives him is what? It is, if you don't, I'll I'll tell you, it's, what are you asking me for? And even though that seems like that's such a harsh answer. Like, what do you mean, what are you asking me for? We're asking you for help. But if we walk it backwards and we see when Moses got his assignment in the first place, And God told him what he wanted him to do and also gave him the power to do it. The very audacity that you have now to turn and say, what am I supposed to do should be obvious. I already told you what to do and I already empowered you. I use that story as an allegory because I feel that way about us today. Why we keep asking what we need to do. You know what to do and you've been empowered to do it. So why you keep asking, what should I do? And why do you keep finding yourself in a place where you need to be rescued when you've already been empowered? So I use the stories to show how we have already been empowered to do what we need to do. And a lot of times we just don't know it and we have to be reminded of it. So where obviously religion is exactly what you said it is. It can be a, 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 a means of bondage and no one likes to be in bondage. And one of the things that I tell people all the time is you should not feel like you are in bondage when you are dealing with the things of God, because God is a liberator. He's a liberator. So if you feeling like you are in bondage, something's wrong, right? Don't ask me that question because I'm saying it's bondage. So I don't see the liberation in that, no. You don't feel liberated? No. Okay, so let's talk about the bondage that you feel. <laughs> Why do you feel bondage? Because you're, you're telling me I have to live by these uh, decrees. You know, now, obviously, if you go to something as simple as the Ten Commandments, you know, I'm not going to kill my mother and father. You know what I mean? They're, they're, you know, I'm not trying to steal. Those are just... So what is it in the Ten Commandments that's binding to you? Those are good. Those are are good things that you can deal with. But I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to get up and go to church every Sunday. I'm not trying to to do these sacrifices that, you know, to to prove my allegiance to you. You know, back in those days, you had to slit the goat and, you know, put on the altar and all that. But you think that that's still what you need to do today? No, I'm saying that's those are the kind of uh, rules and regulations you're forming, which which if you break it down, is it any different from getting up and going to work? You know, I'm supposed to be at work at 7. What if I come rolling in there at 10 o'clock every day? Well, if my boss is there before me three days in a row, on that third day, we might have to have a conversation because he's going to be like, yo, what you doing? <laughs> so you admit that there are rules and regulations that we as human beings need to live by. Absolutely. But the difference with religion mm-hmm. is it's a choice. And so if it's a choice, then it needs to be good for me. And if I don't feel it's good for me, it's a choice I'm not making. So that's a choice I don't have to make. So I'm not rolling with it. Okay, fair enough. Do you pray? I, 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 I'm going to think back the last time I prayed. Like a typical human being, when your ass is in a sling, that's when you reach out to your higher power. When things are going well, you just kind of roll with the punches. So you believe there's a higher power to reach out to when you're in trouble. What's the first words out of your mouth when something happens? God! It comes right out your mouth, right? You can't even help yourself. But uh, I did a presentation uh, on our health and safety call. And uh, this story really, really struck me. Uh, oh my God, I'm going to get her name wrong. Uh, I, I'm not going to think of her name, her, her full name. It's one of them three word names. But her claim to fame, quite simply, is she was the last survivor pulled out the wreckage from 9 11. Mm. And she was on the 61st floor. She worked at the Port Authority. And she was, uh, the, the plane hit the building, of course. And her then fiance, who is now her husband, uh, called her and she's like, no, nah, they were telling us to stay in the building. We're we all right. We're going to be all right. He told her, no, y'all need to get out. So she looked around. It was, I think, 15 of them. She said, we got to go. So they start trying to get out the building. They got down from the 61st to the 13th floor. And that's when the building let go. And now the building let go from underneath them. And now they're gone. Part of the rubble. And 
She's laying down there and she said, I thought I was going to die. She said, you know, she was, was not like a hardcore uh, religious person, right, right. but, you know, had a relationship with God. And she said those fatal words. She said, God, if you let me survive this, I will dedicate my life and I will tell the story to others. Mm-hmm. And so she had resigned herself. She was making peace with herself that she was going to die. And then she said, after I believe it was almost 30 hours after the building collapsed, that's when a hand reached down and grabbed her hand. And the person said, you're going to be all right. Apparently, a rescue dog found her, got her mm-hmm. scent and found her. And they were able to get her out the rebel. And she did. She went on to tell her story. And if you just Google the last survivor, you know, it's a powerful story. There's even a couple of video clips of her. Mm-hmm. And so that is what I think we do in that moment when we either get incredible success because the worst thing in life is to have incredible highs, incredible lows, and there's no one there to share it with you, okay? Mm -hmm. If you become wildly successful, let's just say I I hit for $500 million. For me to sit on $500 million by myself and not share, that's like super, super selfish. And by the same token, I end up with, you know, not stage four cancer, but like right before that, where like I'm gonna have to go through heavy chemo and I'm gonna be out of commission for like the next two years, but then I do come back and survive. If you go through that with other people, that help you through that journey, the journey is so much greater because you have a support system. And so when we get in those times of need, first words that come out of our mouth is, we order the word God, okay? Mm. So although I may not feel the spiritual connection with a God-like figure, I feel a connection with a higher power. When I start walking around and my head gets big, as it does quite a bit, because I think I'm pretty damn great, I always have to look in the mirror and go, yo, there's a higher authority, brother. Take a deep breath and appreciate uh, what the higher powers and the, the universe has done for you. So take a deep breath and, and stop being as, as uh, egotistical as you want to be. Okay. So with that said, I can safely say you don't pray for me. I don't. I don't. I can't tell you honestly. The <laughs> last time I have actually prayed for you like that, you know, okay. I'm quite sure somewhere in, in the journey, I've I've had prayers for situations like, oh, uh, I I think when you had surgery one time, yep, I, I kind of, you know, yep. Matter of fact, and uh, I remember because Marilyn was here, yeah, yep. the last one where, I, yeah, man, where, where, where it got really sticky there, yeah, man. Yeah, so okay. those those it's it's those moments. Like to me, you know, I I I consider them like deposits in the bank. Mm-hmm. Okay, you only got but so much money in the bank. You can't. It's like the boy that cry wolf. You can't go crying wolf all the time. Mm-hmm. I only I pull that card when I really need to pull that card. Do you realize I pray for you every day? Uh, so you might want to stop because clearly it's not working. <laughs> clearly it is working because you're still here. You're still alive. You're still doing well. So clearly it is still working. Well, the, but that what's the difference is you're a spiritual woman. That I don't think that's no You don't just pray for me. You pray for Key. You pray for Junior. I pray, pray for, for everybody, yeah, yes. You, you know what I mean? That's that's who you are. Yeah. Uh, I, I probably stopped praying because of... Uh, uh, remember back when we were kids I remember my knees at the bed my hands folded and what the little prayer we used to say as kids and then God bless and then you would name all those names so I, I not since days like that have I had like a formalized prayer type routine you know mm-hmm. uh, maybe when I was going for a new position I might choke can you put a word in for your boy? Can you see if you can help me out? You know what I'm saying? Hmm. But as far as like formal prayer, no, because I I, I really do believe in the power of the universe. Mm-hmm. And I believe that if you put out, I'm a classic person. I believe in you put out positive, good energy, it comes back to you. I believe in karma like that. So one of the things you see a lot of me, you know, I'm always, what am I? I'm the eternal optimist. Rarely do you see me, you know, beat down and down. I have my moments where I kind of go off the deep end. But 90% of the time, you know, I'm Mr. Optimism. Yeah, you are. My glass is always half full. You put a glass in front of me halfway, it's never half empty. It's always half full. Yeah, you are. So I, that's why I really don't feel the need for prayer like you. I, I don't even say I feel the need for it. I don't think about it. It's not something that pops in my mind that I should pray about something. I just feel it's going to be the things that's going to happen because I Mm. have put that positive energy in the universe and things will happen. Oh, okay. All right. So I'm going to ask you some of the questions that I asked some of my other guests. Um, What role do, and I know that you don't really um, believe in church or go to church, but 
what role do you think the church should play in the community? Well, I think you have an opinion. Of oh, that, most right? definitely, yeah. because the churches that I love are the churches where they have. A, to me, it's leadership. It's no different than work. The greatest churches have the best leaders, and what a good leader does is he sets uh, he or she because there you know women pastors out there. Mm-hmm. They set the standard. I believe in a standard. Okay, there needs to be a standard that you always come through the door at this standard, okay? Whether it's when you go out to the community to do work, when you're delivering the sermons, when you're, uh, you know, just, just representing your brand, there's a standard that you need to be at, okay? When things are going great, you exceed your standard. When you're having tough times, you're working below the standard, but you're always trying to get to your standard. If you watch Joel Osteen and you watch how he does his presentation, when you watch the TV show, he comes on. He gives that little prayer he gives. Then he always gives you, I want to tell you a little funny story. Then he goes into his message and then he does the conclusion. Okay? That's the standard he set. If you go see him live, you only see the 30-minute sermon. When you go see him live, he's got the full, the whole band is there. His, his mom might speak. His brothers might speak. All the guest speakers come up. Then it's a, it's a whole different production. So to me, the church's role is what it's always been, okay? Especially when you go back to the civil rights movement, you go back to the days of slavery where the churches start uh, forming in the United States. Uh, the church was a refuge. It was a place that gave people hope. Our church should be a place where you have hope. It should be a place where you can better yourself and it should be a place that can do community outreach to help move the community forward. A church that comes into a community, builds this beautiful, fabulous building and just takes all the money from the community and doesn't give back is a horrible example of a church. That's the role a church should play in the community. Okay, you mentioned give hope. What kind of hope? And that's where religion comes in because there are some people out there like I said, I'm very optimistic. I don't need that, that hope. I, I feel that there's good things on the horizon. I'm going to go find it. I'm going to go get it. Okay? There's some people that can't see that. There are some people that need that message of hope. They need to hear the, 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 the delivery of that sermon. They need to hear those words that give them the hope that they can get up and get through another day, whether their life is, is incredibly difficult or whether they're just in a holding pattern they just can't seem to break out of, whether they're going through family strife, you know, there's drug addiction, there's a lack of employment, you know. The church has the ability to give folks that, that hope to get them over the hump and get them through the next day, the next week, the next month, the next years of their life. Hmm. That's what a good church does. And I will reference, I will tell you uh, uh, Buster Suarez, who has stepped down, mm-hmm. uh, but he, uh, that man came and spoke at PSE&G. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did a Black History Month celebration. And you could just see the reverence that, that he spoke with and the power and, and just his aura. His words were so strong, I was literally ready to get in the car and drive to his church the next Sunday just to see the sermon because you could just you could hear it in him. That's the type of leader you want to follow because, you know, he walks the walk, he talks the talk, and he inspires you to be better than you were the day before. Mm. And um, that inspiration to be better than you were the day before, I'm trying to understand do you not think that the church's role is to give individuals the tools to be better than they were the day before? And you think a sermon does that? I well, mean, it's not just because the church is just, you know, when you think about the church, we really think about that Sunday service is what we think about. Right. But the church is Monday through Sunday. Right. There's the there's the the building things that happen on. There's the, the outreach they do. There's the, the Bible studies that goes on during the week. There's the, 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 you know, the men's ministry, the women's ministry, the children's ministry. There's all these different entities that make up the holistic journey of the church. If you just go to the church on that Sunday and just get that Sunday message, you're missing a lot of what the church can help you with. Okay, mm-hmm. So that's it. The, you know, when you're really a member of the church, this is what I said about First Church in Montclair. The reason I got so invested in the church, because I came there to play as a musician in the, in the uh, band. Then as I listened, his words were inspiring. Then I started coming to the Wednesday Bible study after work, okay, at night, you know. So for me to go to a Bible study, what? 
because his words on Sunday were that inspiring to me that it meant something uh, to the point where he needed help in the church. You know, they did the whole second floor and all that. Mm-hmm. I came there willing to give my time up and I was asked to become a, a deacon in, involved with the church, you know. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. at that point, I knew that I wasn't coming in that door with all the things required for me to be there in that service capacity. So that's when I knew I couldn't be that person. Okay. And I think you should know that about yourself. If you know yourself, then you don't make this, like never make a choice that you know you can't commit to. I, right, I right. always believe in, you know, I know my, my limitations. If it's something I really can't commit to, I'm not going to commit to it. And I wasn't going to do that to the church. Okay. So what do you think that they needed you to commit to? Come, you were already coming on Sundays. You were already coming on um, Wednesdays. You were already helping. You was already a musician in the church. What more did they need you to do? Well, when you take on that, that title of deacon means it's next level. Now you're, it's almost like you're an officer in the church. Uh, it's, it's like being, you know, you're the president. And now I've just been named secretary of state. Okay. There's another level. When you come in the door as a member, there's things that you can do and, and there's, there's, there's lack of responsibilities, what I should say. Mm-hmm. All you got to do is show up, clap a few times, throw a couple shekels in the door and you're out the door. When you move up to that next level of deacons, there's more things involved. You, you, you really got to make sure that the church is on point. You got to make sure you're taking care of the pastor. Make sure he's got everything he needs. First lady is good. You become much more ingrained into the system. And you didn't think you qualified for that? It's not that I qualified. It's just I wasn't going to devote that time. I had my own life. I had my own... You you know, my, my own music thing was jumping off. I had, you know, I have 50,000. You know me. I keep a lot of irons in the fire. Mm-hmm. That was one more log I couldn't put on that fire. If I had to put that one more log on the fire, my fire would have went out. Mm. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Um, what else do you want to talk about as far as um, what you believe? What do you believe? Can we talk about what you believe in? I mean... We skate around it, but I like to be blunt when I ask the questions. What exactly do you believe in? I believe in self. I believe that you said about Moses that he was given everything that he needed. He had everything that he needed. It was within him. And we have everything that we need. What happens to us is, what's that line? Life gets in the way of life. Mm -hmm. I like to say distractions get in the way of life. We tend to let distractions take us off the course for which we are destined for. And so one of the things I do is I have an incredible belief in myself. You can't tell me I can't do something. You can't, uh, you can't stop me when I want to do something that I'm trying to do. I just believe wholeheartedly that if I sit still and listen to my inner voice, it'll tell me where I need to go. And I, I, I just feel that. I feel that strongly. I feel that immensely. Like that's my calling card in life. And I feel the same thing with people. Okay. I, I like to say that we're like a radios. Okay. The reason you like the gospel station, the reason this person likes the smooth jazz station, this person likes this station because there's a frequency mm-hmm. that we tune into. When you meet a person, if their frequency lines with yours, you're on the same frequency, that person becomes cool to you. If somebody, if you're a hardcore, straight-ahead jazz person, and this person's a country and western person, the frequencies don't, don't match, okay? So you can't get in tune with that person. And if the more you know yourself, the more you can uh, t- tune into that. And when you tune into yourself, all you're doing is listening to the inner voice and the higher power that is within you. Okay, what's that line about the church? The church is not the physical building. The church is the relationship you have within yourself and your higher power. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the true church. You don't need the walls to be in church. And so when I have that, uh, you know, when I'm in line and everything's in tune, I know I'm, I'm, I'm in line with my higher power and everything that I'm trying to manifest is going to happen for me. So you do believe in a higher power? Of course. There, there's something bigger than me. It ain't, if, if, if it's me then y'all in trouble because it's got to be bigger than me. (laughs) So I did not imagine that you had a sense of a higher power. Yes, but I just don't view it as God. I don't view it as as God. I don't view it as as angels sitting around. I I don't view this devil that died. I don't view none of that. I don't view that. You know, I just think there's a life force. It may not even be a person, uh, you know, an entity. I, I just think it's a... 
you know it's like it's a it's a it's an energy it's a force field it's a it's it's a, it's something that you you know it when you feel it you know i guess when you're spiritual you say you feel the holy ghost you know what i mean but it's that to me it's holy that spirit. life energy you know it's that it's that life energy that that i just feel i feel it you it's like when you're on the beach and that sun hits your face, you feel it. You know that's the sun. You ain't got to open your eyes. You know, you know that's the sun. You feel it. Unless you open your eyes, somebody got a spotlight in your face. Mm. You know? So you just don't like the title God. I, I, God to me is religion. So when you say God to me, unless you you're talking, yeah, unless you're talking, uh, you know, Greek and Greek and Roman, and you say gods, then I see Mercury, Zeus, and then I see those figures. But mm-hmm. when you say God to me, my immediate thought goes to uh, Christianity religion. Okay, so that might be a lot of the reasons why we have such a disconnect in the words that we use. Oh, God, yes. But I also would say this to you. This is one of the things I always say. You know, had we not got plucked out of Africa, okay, people need to research the Christian religion. And if we had been in Africa from the inception of Africa and stayed in Africa and never got outside influence in the world and what's crazy is when you look at the, the civilization of africa and you look at where egypt and all these places kind of sit and how they sit right up in the the corridor of africa it wasn't christianity okay we we practice a different type of religion all right and so when christianity broke out and became this worldwide phenomenon and if we take it back and we talk about you know uh what was that of Constantine and you know and, and Caesar and all those cats and the and the, the whole pontiff, pontiff or what I'm trying to think of his name they just slip in my mind, but if you think about it in those terms, it almost makes me feel is that everybody that walked down that path got bamboozled. Okay, then when you see oh, I'm going to kill off all my Catholics right here. Okay, when you see the Pope, okay, with that big funny hat that he wears. And he sits up on this incredible gold throne. And then people come up and kiss the ring. Wasn't one of the things that Moses went to fight against was the ideology? You know, they had the, the golden calves and things like that. And didn't Jesus go into the market and tear the market up because they, they, they took his father's church and they turned it into this, this place of sin and despair? Yeah, we allow these things in that forum because we okay with that, you know? Mm-hmm. So no, I, I, I just, the, the whole structure to me stinks. It just smells, it don't, it don't sit with me well, okay? Mm-hmm. So I, that's why I have to be a, a free thinker and, mm-hmm. and on the outside looking in. Right. Not everybody is okay with that. And in fact, you know, I've been podcasting all day and we've, I've had three conversations, yours being the last of the three. And um, so those um, subjects came up um, in all of those conversations as well. Um, I do go deep with um, someone else about um, how we got our Bible and and um, all of those things. But um, for the sake of this um, particular uh, segment, we were just basically um, talking about your beliefs. And, and, and I think that your beliefs are built upon those things. Um, being so inconsistent because I know that even when you were reading the Bible, because we would read the Bible together a few times, we did read the Bible together, and you you did bring up some inconsistency. So I think um, when you get to a place of learning and a place of understanding, and the difference being is that you are a person who learns. You are just as, uh, how can I say it, prolific with your understanding of things and reading because you read everything and so your understanding of things of uh, the roman empire uh you mentioned constantine um you know how we've come to have a bible in the first place these are all things that you have knowledge of and i'm saying that to ask this next question is that the reason why at this particular point in your life you feel the way you feel because you have extra knowledge of things that maybe the ordinary person who just goes to church on Sunday do not have. No, because I, I rebelled way before I got that uh, the other information. Mm-hmm. So I started rebelling, you know, probably around 72. You know, I it just, it did, the, the, the whole experience just stopped being, it stopped meaning something to me. 
is it because of an experience that you no nah, i just it just it you it, never it, ever felt a no, need to uh, Early when I was going, like I said, I enjoyed it, and just and I guess you know they always say when the child becomes seven, that's the age of reasoning for a child, mm-hmm. where they can start now forming Asking those questions. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, so up until then, I was went along with the program. Everything right. was going good, right. and then right around, like I said, uh, you know, probably around that that sixth grade mark, you know, as I started, you know, really coming into who I was as a a young man there and. The church thing was like, you know, I was into sports, I was into music, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was into everything except religion. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, why do I have to do this if it's something I don't really enjoy? Mm -hmm. So, and then the knowledge of all these other things came way later. Came way later. Yeah, man. Okay. You may or may not know this, but I, and I think you do know this, I'm not a particular fan of church either, which... Is surprising to some, and I think maybe even surprising to you, given my. No, we had this conversation. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm. I'm not a fan yeah. of churches either, um, or how they present themselves, or where we are in this moment. But that's not neither here nor there, because we understand that church is important in the black community. Absolutely. And um, so. What did I tell you? If I hit the lottery for. Hundreds of millions. What did I tell you I was going to do? You were going to um, donate to the church. I said there yes. are some churches around mm-hmm. the neighborhood that need some work some done. Some work done, yeah. And I would definitely, because I I see the value of the church. I said, mm-hmm. there's a guy out here right now that would look to rob me, mm-hmm. okay? If I can get this church together and, and fix it up, that guy might be in that church, get himself together, and then go be a productive member of society. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that the church do. Right. So it's very important to keep churches in the community. Okay. I, and, and I hear you on that. I, I really do. So um, as we wrap this up, I'm going to ask you the last question that I've asked everybody else. What can we do as individuals and as a community to help ourselves? Um, you know me. You know, you've been knowing me for over 40 years. So, you know, my model is teach a person how to fish, not give them a fish every day. So what can we do as a community and what can we do as individuals to to bring our community up to a place where we can thrive and grow and become better? Yeah, that's a, a tough question because it's a. Uh it's a multi-layered approach. It's, mm-hmm. it's not a silver bullet fix. Uh, so here in East Orange, uh, I love our mayor. We have a, a mayor, his name is Ted Green. And most mayors get the title, then they go sit in the golded lily office and they lord upon the community from afar. Mm-hmm. This man comes out, he hits the streets, he does these walks where they go through the block, they go block to block, they, they try to improve the quality of life. Uh, when new businesses open up, he's there to, to support them and try to help them get everything on board. So the first thing is we need uh, economic empowerment. If we have, if everybody can sustain themselves economically, that's a start for you, mm-hmm. okay? Because at the end of the day, you need money to sustain yourself. Then if you get a little extra money in your pocket, if you can educate yourself, okay? And sometimes you don't need the money first. You can get the education before you get the money because it's nice to be educated and then get the money because you know what to do with it mm-hmm. when you get it. Mm-hmm. But they, they, to me, work hand in hand. You, mm-hmm. you need, you know, some economic power. You need some academic power, you know. You can't just come out shooting from the hip, you know. You got to have a focus, a plan, and that's what education does for you. It, it, it gives you a system that you can build upon, okay? Mm-hmm. And then you must take care of the children, Right, the, the children that are out here, if you don't take care of these kids today, these are the kids that are going to be horrible tomorrow. Okay, I look at my own kids. Okay, uh, I, I grew up as, as a, with a stepfather. So my own father, I didn't see my own father since I was five years old. Okay, that meant something to me. So when I had my own kids, you know, whether we would have survived or not, I was going to be in my children's lives because mm-hmm. I understood the role that a father plays in a child's, uh, especially a young male, but, right. but a child's life in particular, regardless. And uh, 
we, we have to invest in our children. We have to invest in them socially. We have to invest in them uh, from a, a community aspect. The, the arts, the, the, the arts is wonderful for kids, whether you're talking about sports, you know, uh, you know, trips to, to places just so they can see something other than their own neighborhood. You just want to give that kid a, a well-rounded mm-hmm. uh, a viewpoint. So economic empowerment, academic uh, credentials, and, and take care of the youth. Because the youth are going to feed what we're going to do going tomorrow. Mm-hmm. That kid you invested in at five today, okay, when that kid is 25, he may be your next city councilman. He may be the next person to, to create this business that's going to employ 50 people in the community. Mm-hmm. Okay, but you got to invest in them now. Right. And then last but not least, because I'm starting to, to, to join this group, mm-hmm. our elders. Okay. Unfortunately, in the Western civilization, our elders are throwaways. Uh, we don't do for our elders the way they, that we need to. And if you don't believe me, just go back and look through the COVID numbers and mm-hmm. see how many of the elderly died, especially those in the nursing yeah. homes. Should they have died in the nursing homes like that? Okay, I, I understand that you know maybe the family's not set up. You got a one-bedroom apartment. You ain't got your mom and dad. You know, I, I understand that there's some hardships going on, but we have to do a better job of the elderly, especially when they have broke their ass to pave the way for you and I to be here to do what we do. Yes. And then you're just going to throw them on the heap like their their life is over and done. So that's that community approach that we need to take to try to get everybody to move the needle ahead so we can all move forward. And that's, whose responsibility is that? That it, it, Obviously, what did Michael Jackson tell you? <laughs> I'm looking at the man in the mirror. Yes. It starts with you. you it starts you, with you. you. You can't talk about what I said about the mayor. He can't get up and then sit in the lily office and sit up there and lord over. You got to hit the streets. You got to be out in the trenches. When people see you out there, they are more apt to join your program and get involved. Yes. You have to get involved. Mm-hmm. You you must. And, you know, so those are the things you need to try to do. Okay. So last words. I mean, you I, I'm getting the impression that you feel as though individuals should look within to find the strength and the power that they already have within inside their selves to do better for themselves and to live a good life and help somebody along and help the way. somebody else along the way. Yeah. Exactly. And to you that I'm, this is I'm I don't want to put words in your mouth, no, but I'm you, saying, you're, yeah. you're going right down my path. Right, right. And to you, this is where the higher power comes in because we should be able to sense that and we should not need anyone to um, to teach it to us or um, force it down our throats. It should be something that we feel. But it's, it's okay to get some guidance because what do, you know, every person that's great had a mentor, you know, Bruce Lee most incredible martial artist out there. What did he have? He had masters he studied under to get to the where he got to form his own thing. Mm-hmm. So we all need that to, mm-hmm. the guidance to help us get to where we're going. That actually wasn't a criticism? Yeah. No, um, I mean, I'm just saying, I don't want people to think that, you know, it's all about me because, it, it, you know, I, I didn't get to this point by myself. Mm-hmm. I've had some wonderful people on the way who have shaped and guided me and steered me and allowed me to, to get to where I'm going. Right. But one of the things I will say is that this is America, okay? This, if we had been born in another country, the opportunities that are afforded us here may not be afforded there. America is about the individual. This is America where you have an opportunity to start at the lowest of the lows and rise to the highest of the highs. The only thing that stops you is how much work that you're willing to put in yourself. Okay. So this is why this is the perfect place for you to manifest all that. You don't need religion and spirituality to do that. You need an inner drive to make those things happen. Mm -hmm. And so you start from that platform and then you understand, okay, well, wait a minute, I'm in America. Okay, wait a minute, I have the freedom of speech. I have a right to bear arms. Okay, I have freedom of press. Okay, and you start seeing, oh, it's a Democrat. I get to vote for who I want to put in office. Okay, I get... So you start to understand how these systems work and are put together, and then you take those things and you just expand upon them mm-hmm. to be the best person you can be during your lifetime in, in the, the the world that you reside in. Mm-hmm. So you believe that people have what it takes to be their best self. Yeah, man. Even when you see somebody that is handicapped, mm-hmm. you know, let's take somebody in the wheelchair that can't walk, and when that person is doing more than you, 
what are you doing? <laughs> exactly. All right, there are people out here that are, that got severe yeah. situations, and they're doing more than you. Yes. What's your excuse? Okay, there you have it. And there you have it from someone who is not exactly religious, but he actually has a spiritual side, even if he doesn't want to see it himself. Because some of the things that he said, he may or may not know that Jesus said the same thing. <laughs> so anyway, he has something in common with JC. <laughs> JC was a radical. <laughs> but anyway, um, we're at the end of um, we're at the end of this entire program. Um, Mr. Jones, you were my last interview. Thank you so very much. Oh, good. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And um, so you come to the end of um, this topic of religion. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for sticking with me. And um, I hope to see you again through our next um, venture, which is coming up in January. And um, but will you return again, Mr. Jones, on in December when we have our discussion with all of my guests? Oh no, you know my birthday in that month, JC birthday in that month, yeah. your Christmas is in that month. Mm. Yeah, a lot of good things happen. I know. <laughs> I know that's a very difficult month, yeah, but I I, I already promised Keith Harvey whose birthday is not far from yours that 711, that, that's my partner. Yes, that I would not schedule it on either one of your birthday and you both promise to come back because we'll be drinking <laughs> and that's fine i don't have a problem with that i don't have a problem with it. thank you for um for joining me on this candid conversation and thank you for being candid i, I appreciate your honesty through this whole um journey you've been listening to real talk with real people i am your host dr caroline pathia jones and i'll see you next time thanks for joining me